Good morning, everybody. Great to be together this morning. Just like to echo what Brian said at the beginning, to say welcome to everyone. It's so lovely to see you here. And uh, thanks for coming. These days, these particular Sundays that we have where we have the privilege of uh, baptizing people are always good. Um, for all sorts of reasons, it's an exciting moment in the life of the person that's getting baptized. So that's one thing. I think secondly, um, it's just great to see people who have made a personal commitment to being a Christian to follow Jesus through the waters of baptism. And probably more importantly, baptism is one of the greatest sacraments of the Christian faith. It's an opportunity to symbolically show to others what their faith personally means to them. So we're going to be baptizing five people in a few moments, um, which is great. And if, you've, if you're here as a neighbor or a relative or a friend with one of those people today, we want to make sure that you get ringside seats. Now, we, when, we all, when we clear it all up and we open the baptistry, uh, we'll shift all the chairs and you'll be able to shift around. So we're all, all pretty cool about that kind of thing. We want you to be able to come and see your friend, your relative get baptized. So that's great. Before we do that, I just want to just let you know um, the five people that are getting baptized this morning. So we have a mum and a daughter, Emma and Chloe, getting baptized, which is great. And then, yeah, superb. And then we have a, a, a young lady called Elizabeth getting baptized. And then... Uh, a teenage lad called William getting baptized, um, and then uh, another youngish man called Neil who's getting baptized, okay, so that's great. All from different walks of life, all at different stages of life, and that's just so good. So a real mixture of different ages and, and journeys, so that's excellent. Before we actually um, open up the baptistry and we baptize, I just want to share a few thoughts with you. I was just, when I was just preparing my talk today, I was just struck by how many times in the course of a day we ask questions or people ask us questions. Simply, you might get a coffee uh, on the way to work and somebody might say to you, what kind of coffee would you like? Or you may be in a shop and you ask somebody who's serving something behind the counter. All sorts of times throughout our day we ask questions. And somebody once said, if you ask the right question you'll get the right answer. So asking questions is so, so important. And when you read the Gospels in the Bible, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, you discover that Jesus wasn't afraid to ask questions. I won't go through all the questions that he asked, but he asked lots of questions in various different situations that he found himself. And I'm going to read, and the words are going to come up on the screen, I'm going to read... Just a few verses from the Gospel of Matthew, which is the first of the Gospels. This story is found in other Gospels, but I'm going to be reading it from Matthew's Gospel, chapter 16. And we're going to pick it up at verse 13. Jesus is in a conversation with his disciples. Jesus primarily had 12 disciples in the Gospels, and he's in a conversation with them. And he gets into this conversation, and this is what he said to them. It says this, When Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, Who do people say that I am? Question. And his disciples replied, Some say that you are John the Baptist. Others say that you are Elijah. 
And still others say that you are Jeremiah or one of the other prophets. And then Jesus said this, but what about you? He asked them, who do you say I am? And Simon Peter, one of the disciples, answered, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. And Jesus replied, blessed are you, Simon, for this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but it was revealed to you by my Father in heaven. Jesus asked this question. little mistake there, I forgot to put a question mark on the end of that slide. <laughs> Jesus asked this question, who do you say I am? I can remember my granddad, uh, my granddad Blake on my father's side. Um, he lived in the town of I. Uh, pretty much all of his life he lived in that part of Suffolk. And he met some Christians on one particular occasion who engaged him in a conversation about Christianity. And they asked my granddad, Blake, what do you think about Jesus? And my granddad said one, one sentence to them. He said, he's made up person in your head. I don't even believe he was real. And my dad who knew about that conversation, said that my grandfather added quite a lot of expletives into that sentence. He is a made-up person. He's in your head. I don't even believe he's real. That was my granddad's view of Jesus. But it is a question that I'd like to ask all of us this morning. Who do you say Jesus is? It's a question that maybe you've never, ever thought about seriously. Maybe you've never been asked that question before. Maybe you're here today and you've already formed of an opinion about Jesus, but you really haven't given it much thought. Maybe, like my granddad, you have a very definite answer about your opinion of Jesus, but you're not sure where that answer came from. It's just what you think. And I think that if we were to go around the room today and we were to ask everybody that question individually, I'm sure that we would get quite a lot of varied responses. Who do we think Jesus is? What's our opinion of him? What do we think he's all about? Over the last kind of few years of my life, um, I've enjoyed going down into this town centre, but often on a Friday morning when it's market time. And... Um, I'll walk around this, sometimes with one or two others. We, we may walk around a particular area of this and we'll pray for the town. We'll pray for different housing estates that we might be walking through. Sometimes we walk through Mere Street and we'll pray for the businesses in the town. We'll pray for the schools. We'll pray for the council and different people that have responsibility in our town. We pray and sometimes um, we'll engage people and get them to talk to us about their experience of faith or religion. And sometimes we get to the point where I ask them the question, so what do you think about Jesus then? This is what I've discovered. I rarely get aggression in their answer. Very few people shout at me. I've had one or two aggressive comments. But most of the time when I ask the question, what do you think about Jesus then? They're very polite. They don't give me any aggression. 
But what they don't give me most of the time is full acceptance of Jesus. I've kind of called that response something, I've called it polite neutrality. They're kind of neither here nor there. They kind of think, well, you know, it's great for you. I respect what you believe, but it's not for me. So there's no aggression in their answer, but there's no like full acceptance of Jesus in their answer either. They just give me this lovely, polite answer. And then when I've read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, I've discovered something about polite neutrality. There's not a lot of it. Jesus was very good, but in a very loving way, at making sure that people had to make a decision one way or the other about him. If you read the stories throughout those four Gospels, you'll discover that literally thousands and thousands of people, wherever Jesus went, loved his teaching, loved what he had to say. They were amazed at the kind of person he was. They watched him do various things and the way that he treated people, the way that he met people's needs, the way that he talked to the poor and the way that he talked to the broken, the way that he was kind and full of grace and full of mercy and full of love. In fact, if you read the Gospels, it says that multitudes followed Jesus wherever he went. There was something incredibly contagious about Jesus Christ. Many, many thousands of people just accepted full on who Jesus was and what he had to say. But at the same time, not only was there full acceptance from so many people, but there was an aggressive side to people too. Sadly, it was often with religious people. When Jesus made statements or when Jesus spoke or when he taught, he would would really speak split the audience in half. It was that group of people that loved him, accepted him, wanted to follow him, and it was also the other kind of people that were quite aggressive towards him and just actually, just really were out to get Jesus all of the time. In fact, those people were responsible for eventually putting Jesus on the cross. Jesus had this beautiful nature about him. He had this beautiful way about him. He had this incredible love about him that he could draw people. But Jesus also had a very, very clear message that he brought to the, to the humankind. And that was, you know, you need to follow me. Jesus said on a number of occasions to different people, come and follow me. He didn't give them really lots of explanation. He didn't try and like talk them into it gently and gradually. He was quite direct with his message. And the reason I believe Jesus was quite direct with his message is because he firmly believed with all of his heart that he had been sent by God into the earth to bring salvation to mankind. In just two or three months, we'll be celebrating Christmas and in the Christian calendar. It's such an important time of the year where we we listen and hear and remind ourselves again of the importance of Christ coming into the earth, the saviour of the world. A few months after that, also in our calendar, we celebrate Easter and we remind ourselves and we remember the importance of the death and the resurrection of Christ. Why is that? Because the message that Jesus brought wasn't, wasn't, didn't have any grey areas. He was very clear about the message that he came with. C.S. Lewis, many of us here today 
will have heard of the famous book, The Chronicles of Narnia. And C.S. Lewis was a great Christian man. And he made some great quotes about Christianity. And one of the quotes that he made about Jesus was this. You must make your choice. Either this man was and is the Son of God, or else he was a madman or something worse. You can shut him up. For a fool, you can spit at him, you can even kill him, you can fall, but but you can also fall at his feet and call him Lord and God. C.S. Lewis goes on to say, But let us not come with any patronizing nonsense about him just being a great human human teacher. He has not left that open to us. He did not intend to. And like I said, when you read the Gospels, you discover that polite neutrality wasn't something that Jesus was met met with. You either accepted him for who he was and what he said, or you rejected him. You either gave him total acceptance or total rejection. In another one of the Gospels, the last Gospels, the Gospel of John, Jesus made probably one of the most emphatic statements. In all the statements that he made, he made a very, very definite and emphatic statement. In John chapter 14, verse 6, Jesus said these words. I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. That's some statement, isn't it, when you think about it? What Jesus is saying there is, there is no other way to God. You can't get to heaven. You can't get to eternal life. You can't get to God unless you come through me. Jesus didn't say, I am one of the ways. Jesus said, I am the way. Jesus didn't say, I am a certain type of truth. Jesus said, I am the truth. And Jesus said, I'm not just one way that you can get life. I am the life. I am the way, the truth, and the life. Here, when Jesus speaks those words in John's gospel, he's super clear that you will only know full life. You will only know the truth, and you will only know real, you will only know the way if we accept Jesus fully for who he is. You will only get to God. Through Jesus. It's the only way by which a man and a woman can receive eternal life. And so I think this morning that the question that is on the screen in front of you today is possibly one of, if not the most important question you'll have to answer. Every single one of us will answer this question in some way or another. My granddad had three boys, Jack, Harold, and Vic. I was the son of Vic. On Wednesday this week, my dad would have been 86 years old. He died at the age of 84. My granddad was so anti-God. He thought God and Christianity and Jesus was just for very weak pathetic Christians. And my dad grew up in that environment. And he adopted the same beliefs as my granddad. 
In fact, my dad would tell me a story when I was a young boy that he would work all week and on Friday he would get his wage and on a Friday night he would go out with his mates in Ockald and I all around that area and he would go out drinking at the local pubs and he would usually be coming home on the Saturday morning from drinking all night as his dad was getting up to go to work. That was the kind of bloke my dad was. He was a proper man's man. He had a big 500 twin BSA motorbike. He liked to live the whole life of a real man. He was like his dad. Until my dad got to the age of 41 and he was asked that question by some other Christian men. So come on Vic, what do you think about Jesus? And I think my dad's initial response in his life was, What a bunch of Christians. Here we go again. But he started to hang around with those guys. He started to get to know them and the way they lived. And as he became friends with that group of guys, he began to realize that they had something in their lives that he didn't have. In the natural, my dad didn't need God. He didn't need Jesus. He'd got a lovely wife. He'd got two beautiful children, fantastic son. The better of the two. My sister lives 4,000 miles away, so she can't get to me on that one. And he had pretty much everything that he needed. He had enough money. He had a nice home. He had a good life. In the natural, he didn't need this Jesus. He didn't need this God story in his life. But he'd found a group of guys that had something that he didn't have. And over a period of time... I remember my dad's story went something like this. There was a a God shape in his life that only God could fill. And my dad, at the age of 42, became a Christian. I can remember on one Saturday night in Ipswich going to his baptism service and watching my dad, at the age of 43, a year later, getting baptised. This guy that had been a proper man on his motorbike, a real Suffolk lad, he became a Christian. And for the last 42 years of his life, he decided that he would accept Jesus for the message that Jesus brought. And so when he died in February 22, and I was able to speak at his funeral service, I had total assurance that my dad was now with God, with his father in heaven, because he'd made that decision 42 years earlier. There's something incredible about Jesus being at the center of your life. Sitting here today, there are so many stories of faith, so many stories and journeys of the way people have discovered Jesus. Please, if you're here this morning and you've never made that personal commitment to Jesus, please don't think that every Christian has a great, easy life. There are people here this morning who haven't always got it right in life and have made some pretty big mistakes. There are people here who've had to journey through cancer. There are people here who have lost members of their family way too young. There are people here who 
have just had the most awful things that they've had to go through in life's journey. But the thing that has got them through that isn't their money, their job, and all of those other things. Ultimately, it's their faith in Jesus because they've come to that point in their lives where they have accepted fully the message of Jesus Christ. It happened to me in my mid to late teens. I watched my dad's life change and I thought to myself, I need to follow the same Jesus that he follows. And I'm standing here today because my dad became a Christian and became an incredible example to my life. My granddad died suddenly of a massive heart attack on Christmas Day many years ago. He was in the bathroom, he collapsed and died instantly at tea time on Christmas Day. To this day, I don't know whether my granddad ever became a Christian. I don't know if in his last breath as he died, he called out to God. I'd like to hope he did, but I can't be certain he did. I guess what I would say out of that is, don't leave it to the point where you're gasping for your last breath or you're in your last days or hours of life. But make sure, make sure that Jesus becomes the centerpiece of your life. That doesn't guarantee you an easy ride. That doesn't mean that you won't still go through things that will be challenging and painful. But you will have someone in your life that will be there for you. You will have a faith that will give you a steadfast hope and assurance. Because when Jesus says, I have come to give you life and life in all its fullness, I can honestly say I'm a testimony to that very statement. I wouldn't want to do life. I wouldn't want to journey through my life without Jesus. And this morning, we're going to watch five people get baptized. The youngest is just a young girl who in her young, tender age has made that decision to say yes to Jesus, as has her mum, as has the other three people that are going to be baptized. Quite often throughout the year, we baptize people in this church, and every single one of them has a story of faith where by making that decision to put Jesus at the center of their lives, he has changed them, shaped them, and become who they are today. He really is amazing, you know. In all that, we've, all that we see going on in our world today, the brokenness and the pain that we're watching unfold on our television screens right now, we could ask so many questions about those situations. Why, if God was God, why doesn't he just intervene and stop those things? Do you know, some of those questions I don't have the answer to. I'm just being honest. But ultimately, God has given every human person the choice to follow him or not. So what are you going to do in your life with this question? Who do you say Jesus is? Is he a nutcase? A madman? Just a figure of history that lived and died? Or is he the Christ, the son of the living God? My prayer today as just a Christian and a resident in this town is that every single person that I meet would come to that place like my dad did of finding Jesus 
and following Jesus and making Jesus the center and the Lord of our lives. And so before we come to our baptism time this morning and we move the boards and we get ready for this really exciting moment, I'm just going to pray and I'm going to invite us, if we would be respectful enough, just to bow our heads in prayer. Um, And as I pray, let's just perhaps open up our hearts and minds to the words of God into our own heart today. Let's pray. Jesus, I want to thank you today that all over this world you are still changing lives. Thank you that in every continent, every race, every tongue, there are communities of Christians who love you because you have changed them and made them new people. We thank you that it isn't anything to do with our gender, our race, our education, our ability or gift. But your love to us is completely unconditional. You don't judge us because of our background. You don't judge us because of our mistakes. But you have opened up a way for us to know you and to know the fullness of the life that you give. I really pray today that for anyone here who has not answered that question or has already formed their opinion, that you would lead their thinking and their heart towards you today. That they would make the decision to become a follower of Jesus. We ask this in your name. Amen. Amen.